to the season six finale of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. It's the final countdown. <laughs> Thank you. And also, Daniel. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> today, we'll be discussing season six, episode 22, which is held in May Day. The episode aired on May 18th. In the year 2000, Lauren was going on that week 22 years ago. Uh, Lauren in the past, a week from, well, a little, five days from now, will be turning eight years old. So happy birthday hey. to me because my hey. birthday is always right after the, right after the season finale. So hey, we're actually skipping uh, my birthday for the season seven premiere because season seven doesn't premiere till October. We'll get there when mm. we get there. Um, but headlines, nothing really, so we'll borrow a headline from May 23rd, my birthday, instead. Rapper Eminem releases his third and biggest studio album, the Marshall Mathers LP. This, the album is one of the fastest selling of all time, selling 1.78 million copies in its first week. It would be the best selling album for eight weeks in a row, eventually moving over 21 million copies worldwide. Notable songs include The Real Slim Shady, The Way I Am, and Stan. I also want to note, as a fourth grader, I remember hearing my fellow classmates re- uh, repeating some of this album <laughs> on oh, the playground. Fun. Oh, fun. I'm yep. sure your white classmates. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Hazlitt did not have a whole lot of people of color. Uh, <sighs> widely considered one of the worst movies of all time, Battlefield Earth, starring John Travolta and an oh, hey, it's that guy kind of actor, Barry Pepper, debuts. However, America still likes movies about gladiators, as Gladiator remains the number one movie. And Maria Maria by Santana and the product GNB is the number one song for yet a f- another week. I heard that um, that song while I was at my wasn't my cousin's wedding, but I heard. Um, was that the bowling alley? Yes. No, we heard smooth. That's what okay, it was. Yeah. We heard smooth while we were out family bowling last <laughs> week. And I just, I immediately had flashbacks. So I want you guys to know, you're all in my hearts, no matter where I am. Mm. And Santana haunts me wherever I go. What else is on, Daniel? Uh, going back to Battlefield Earth, I think canonically that's an ER movie because I think uh, Forrest Whitaker is in that movie too. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to avoid the, connota- the, the connection so we didn't have any... <laughs> reason to watch that i've seen that movie mm. an unfortunate amount of times is not good because my, my best friend in uh middle and high school loved it so he's we're not going to talk about it's that. also it, i mean it's also a basically a backdoor pilot for scientology is it not like it's 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 basically the scientology mm. movie like i think is the like it's it's based off of some of the sci-fi material that the guy who founded scientology yeah was, was yeah it's writing. an hubbard it's an yeah. Ron hubbard joint Oh God! All right. Uh, what else? Apparently, there was a uh, plans for a sequel. To, oh, good, good. I'm glad. That, are we are we living only, in it? But because it only made twenty nine million dollars on a budget of seventy three million, it. Yeah. Thank thank God we were spared. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, there's still time. John Travolta's still alive. Uh, what else was on at eight p.m.? Friends with the two part episode. We've got two two parters this week at eight p.m. Friends with the episode the one with the proposal parts one and two. Uh, and followed at 9 p.m. by Frasier with uh, Something Borrowed, Something Blue, Parts 1 and 2. Uh, this week's episode had a whopping 34.5 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 13th out of 40. Previous ones of his from this season include Match Made in Heaven, All in the Family, Humpty Dumpty, and Leave it to Weaver. 
and written by Jack Orman doing his 11th out of 28. Previous ones of his from this season include All in the Family, Great Expectations, and Last Rites. And uh, before we dive in, for a brief content warning for the beginning, it's not exactly a school shooting, but like armed gunmen are in a school and shot kids on their way into the school. So like, they're not shooting up a school, but... There are Hit, guns around children. Hits yeah. just a little too close to home, given late yeah. r- recent events of late. Yeah. So, with that in mind, uh, we do open the episode at a school playground. A very, very cool shot uh, with emergency vehicles outside and a helicopter landing from which Benton and Luca emerge. Uh, there are three gunshots, one potentially fatal. Uh, we first go over to Daniel, a little boy who was shot in the head. His glasses are on the ground. Um, we're off to a great start here, folks. I, I do appreciate the uh, the Velma Dinkley. Where are my glasses? I can't find my glasses that he's doing. Like, just... <laughs> he's totally with it. Like, he's just covering right. his eye. He, like... In, yeah, he's... For being shot in the head, he's fine. At the, at the time, at least. We don't hear much about Daniel. Well, we're living with Daniel. Different Daniel. <laughs> Keep going. How dare you? Uh... Guy, yeah, apparently uh, what was hap- what happened here was some guys attempted a, a heist on an armored truck, and the truck crashed, and the guys had to flee into the school that was right across the street from where they crashed. So, and Luca's working on a boy named Nicholas, uh, poor boy trying to give Luca his dad's phone number, <laughs> who is, and this young poor young soul is played by. Uh, he is played by a little bit of an oh hey it's that uh, guy especially as a child um, Kyle Sullivan who had a recurring role on Malcolm in the Middle uh, Soldier and The War at Home and I think he was also a latter day uh, cast revision uh, addition to uh, all that just before that show went under oh, that like, does one... sound he was oh. definitely one that I like pointed out as soon as I saw him I was like I'm pretty sure I recognize that kid from something and I thought it was going to be something from when he got a little bit older, but then I looked at his IMDb and I was like, nope, he pretty much stopped acting at about the mid-aughts. So he's mm-hmm. definitely like strictly a child actor. But I love this because it was so drilled into us that guys, in the case of an emergency, give an adult our phone number. And mm-hmm. then it's like, it's like, yep, this was such a pre-cell phone or like pre-cell phone. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Where Era. Everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, pre-cell phone, like, where everybody's got one in their pocket. Right, thank you. I can't think of the word for it. But, so because of that, of course you have to give a grown-up the number. You can't just call your dad yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I still know my parents' phone number and your phone number in case of emergency. I know yours, but only because you've drilled it into my head and made me memorize it. And because it's on my Metal Alert tag. Otherwise, hey, I wouldn't have go. a chance. Um, but while this is all going on, we find out that the cops are still trying to apprehend the shooters... Uh, while there's still one more shooter that they haven't attended to while the kids are still inside. Um, and apparently, and right after, right after they say that, uh, that third shooter comes out, comes out firing on a, I can't tell what kind of gun it is, but it's a big gun. Yeah. It's not like an assault rifle, but it's like more like, like a, like, any of I, us, anyway, any of us trying to talk about guns as a farce. Just, I'm just trying, like, I can picture it and I can see it, like in like every military video game I've ever played in my entire life. But the way I'll say it, it's not a handgun or a shotgun. That's about all I know. There you go. It goes pew pew. Um, but he's kind of firing, and so Luca covers Nicholas and the EMT 
that's with them and Benton covers Daniel and the dude gets uh, shot by a sniper. Yep. And with that, we are in with bangs. Kind of would have been a very weird twinkle episode. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Um, and then Benton runs over to examine the shooter and he's like, sir, can you speak? Are you okay? And the guy just says, go to hell. And he goes, okay, I guess that answers that question. Um, and then Benton and argue Luca. Benton, fuck. But it was, but it was more like a go to hell instead yeah. of like a go to hell. A little bit of both. Uh, then Benton and Luca are arguing over who gets to take the chopper versus who gets the ambulance. Uh, Luca obviously is arguing for Nicholas, the child who has been shot because he doesn't have a pulse in his leg, and Benton's saying that the shooter is in worse condition and should get the chopper. And Luca refuses to vacate the helicopter, and. Leaves Benton at the scene to take the ambulance back. And in between their argument, we uh, go to the ER briefly. And I have notes that uh, NBC5 newscaster Nasita Kwan, should, a, a vivid, or a vividly remember part of my childhood, <laughs> when all I had was uh, over-the-air TV in my room, and I would watch the news a lot. <laughs> probably... probably says something about my childhood. I don't know. No, I watched CSI in my mom's room because she got two channels. It doesn't. Mm, no, you're good. Fair enough. But, uh, but Carter, Abby, Connie, and Randy are all watching the news at Admit. Uh, Malucci's looking for a toolkit. Apparently, a guy drilled a screw into his in his fibia. I think it was fibia. Yeah. Yeah, but into his leg, regardless, below the knee. Um, and yeah, Malucci's like. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna unscrew it. It's like, what the hell is what the hell else am I supposed to do? <laughs> and Lauren and I both noted, shouldn't someone from the orthopedics department probably be taking a look at that before he does something quite like that? I don't know. It's a it's a it's a funny-ish through line through the entire episode. So, um, but Abby and Carter, Abby and Carter are going to handle an incoming uh, MBA trauma. That threw me off, Lizzie. What? Because that was not highlighted. You're right. I, whatever. <laughs> I was, but I was just. I like, didn't. How far she takes it? Maybe she'll do them all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Do you it's... want me to take your your part then? No, it's no, it's because you went from one up here to one down here. So like before I started in on this, I wanted to fill it fill in that because you jumped ahead. I think that I think how, the, that's the order that it happens in the show. Well, I think the bullets. I think you were looking at two separate bullets, Lizzie. I think the yeah. the the bullets are very similarly worded. Yeah. And so I think you thought Lauren was further ahead than she was. No, I wasn't. I was still up here. Oh. I was not down here. It's fine. It may, here it, I mean, it really doesn't matter. It was a funny. It doesn't. Bit, I'm just. Like, no, because I thought you said that the guy was bleeding out, and they were arguing about the helicopter, but Luca takes off. I did, because I forgot that it happened in two scenes. But yeah. either way, so it, I was still up here. But that's where I got... I'm aware. So anyway, going back to what I said, because I was wrong, I misspoke earlier. The shooter is now bleeding out. He is officially worse. And Benton argues again for the chopper. Luca has not left yet. Pretend I didn't say that earlier. Uh, but Luca says no, because the shooter killed people and this innocent child didn't. So bye, peace out. And Luca begins to horse up on his white knight situation and oh i have words about luca this episode everybody and i if you love luca and you want to continue to like me maybe don't listen to this episode because your girl has words 
I so I you know like like I feel like I feel like it is in our best interest for us to get ahead of the comment section on that. Like I feel like it, it's better for us to just sum up Lauren's thoughts on this entire episode in clip form. Like that way we can get it out of the way and we don't what? we we don't have to you know hear it from the the Luca stands. So I, I I took the liberty of organizing Lauren's thoughts about Luca in this episode beforehand uh then luca has it's so good i love him i'm glad i'm not the only one who saw who heard it and was like <laughs> yes <laughs> daniel it's perfect so that's the if you need yep. just a, a summary statement of how lauren feels about luca in this episode it's great and that's it we don't have to cover anymore we'll see you guys for the wrap-up next week and uh oh yeah by the way carter's going to rehab and uh, everything's great catch oh. you next time daniel that's the probably one of the best shit posts you've done to date on this show <laughs> i love it oh it, you got my gremlin laugh in there too which makes it even better thank you oh uh. daniel comes with the receipts yeah he, he, he digs deep for I, I, I dug very deep in the 30 minutes before recording that it took me to put that together. That's really upsetting that those many noises could be found in 30 minutes of our episode. Oh, and, well, that was that was one episode and uh, it was uh, like within maybe 10 minutes of audio time. Like I am nothing if not uh, diverse in my recording potential. Absolutely. 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 Anyway, let's go back uh, to let's go back. Over the are uh, the motor vehicle guys in. He's combative and cranky with the staff. And Carter asks, and, and he has a he has a hip dislocation. So uh, Carter asks for some Versed and some fentanyl. Uh, and he ordered extra fentanyl and pockets it. Uh oh. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, Abby feels a goiter, which doesn't really become a thing that does that matters at all. Because this is the only scene with this patient. Yep, yeah, so. it's, it's the only scene with the patient, and, and they immediately, the, the hip becomes more uh, pressing than the, the, the goiter ever does. So, yeah, it's a very odd throwaway dialogue there. Yep. But you know what else is throwaway, Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, but Abby and Carter uh, relocate the guy's, attempt to relocate the guy's hip at first. And guy wakes up and kicks, the, kicks Carter straight off the gurney, just punts him kicks the shit out of him like he goes yeah. flying off that like Noah Wiley earned his money this week uh taking that bump off of that uh, gurney holy shit yeah was that actually him or was that I didn't I mean guy? I didn't see a I mean I it certainly you know I would imagine that ER is a little bit of a slicker production than fucking ghost ship so uh, it probably wasn't as egregiously obvious that a stuntman would step in as it was in that movie uh, but uh, it didn't look to me like I saw any uh, stuntman all right well props to whoever took that took that hit for us uh, so Carrie wants Malucci to come in and finish the job but Carter's like no 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 I'll I'll fucking do it. No, no, fuck off. I'll fucking do it. Exactly like that. This is the first NC-17 rated ER episode we've ever had, <laughs> which wouldn't make sense. It would be, what's the TV version of that? Not TVMA, but like beyond yeah. that. Oh, I think TVMA is Yeah, the I think TVMA you. is as far as you're allowed to go on network TV. No. Like, I didn't even know you're allowed to go that far on network TV these days. Oh, but. well, yeah, I guess actually, yeah, probably you're right. You're probably, that probably would be a cable, strictly a cable thing on, on, um, over the air TV probably is much lower. TV fourteen. Yeah, TV fourteen. Anyway, 
Uh, but Carrie's a little worried about Carter, so she, but she gets called away for a because someone's having a heart attack, and once the room is, then they get the the hip back in inside, and everyone everyone leaves. Abby's gonna take him up to get some scans done, and once the room is cleared, the young Mr. Carter does some drugs. <laughs> he uh, just. Finds a good vein on his wrist and uh, just pops pops a little needle with the, that little extra bit of fentanyl just right right in there. Mm. At least he at least he does an alcohol swab on the area mm-hmm. first because you know can't don't want to get an infection while you're doing drugs. No, especially when they're right there. Uh, but in the middle of it, Abby walks in looking for the chart of the dude and sees him dispose of the sharp and makes super awkward small talk. And I, I should point out, my notes don't go into this. She walks in while he still has the needle in his yeah. wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And he just does the, he just like the most painful, like cringe looking, like, uh, uh, like well, trying to like it, hide it and ow. There's so much to unpack with, with mm-hmm. Carter this episode. Like they do, they do a really good job of like fucking him up physically. Like he mm. looks strung out this episode. Like he's kind of sweaty and he's flushed and like his eyes look like he hasn't slept in a month. And he just looks really rough. And he also does this amazing take to where after he uh, injects the drugs and Abby comes bursting in while he's still got the needle in his wrist, he's like panicky, but also you can see the moment when the drugs hit his system and you can see when he has that little like euphoric moment where he's like, <gasps> like his breath goes and then he collects himself and tries to make awkward small talk. Yep. And the other thing I want to note, A, this episode is fantastic from for Noah Wiley. Go watch it um, just for all the physical stuff that he does because so much of it is visual. Yeah. The other thing I want to note, I've already forgotten. Cool. Fuck. <laughs> but, it, but on your first point, and maybe only point if you don't remember the second point, uh, it, it might be it might be his best performance to date in any single episode. Yep, I remembered the other part. What I said to Lizzie was... Um, when we were talking earlier this season about how we didn't realize it was only like three or four episodes between mm-hmm. the stabbing and this, um, I wanted to point out that, yeah, in my mind, this moment and the intervention at the end of the episode are um, like they're, um, they feel like they're episodes part. Like it feels like it's that set of sequences is like two or three episodes in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I always forget they're the same one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I that didn't make sense, but you know what I mean. No, and I do, and like the other another thing of mine that I sort of remember differently about it from watching it the first time is I seem to remember him and Abby having more of a history when this happens. Like yes, because him and Abby are still relatively strangers at this point. Like they've they've interacted like a couple of times, um, and so it it's. They don't have. They don't really have any history at all to speak of at this no, point. She's she's still very formal with him. Yeah. So I, in my head, and when I think about this moment, I think of it as having a little bit more uh, background to it, just between the two of them. But uh, but we go up to the roof where Lizzie has met the chopper uh, with Luca and Nicholas coming in. They're gonna get him down to the. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they brought him down to the trauma room after that, rather than just right? going straight to the OR. I thought that was a little strange. Because they, they know he's going to need surgery, so why would you take the extra tr- trip down to the ER? Just thought that was weird. Um, 
But uh, before we see that, Mark sees Dave working on the screwed-in leg guy and gives him a hard time because the guy is screaming bloody murder. And uh, I think it. I think Dave says something to the effect of, like, the guy refused pain yeah. medication. Like he, it interferes with the healing process. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, Mark encounters Carter in the hall and asks him how he's feeling after that kick from the gurney and if he is uh, seeing any of the uh, psych uh, people that uh, were recommended to him by... Uh, Dr. Sugar Ray, last episode. Uh, the cameo that never was. And Carter says he he has been. He's yeah. shopping around. But he uh, he's like, yeah, but it's going to take a while. And I uh, got to go because they're bringing in this kid who obviously needs to go to the OR, into the trauma room, uh, where Lizzie, Luca, and Carter are working on him. Uh, he's got no pulse in his leg. And in the middle of the trauma, Carter sees Abby talking to Mark and then kind of looking at him through the trauma window. And based on a um, conversation that happens a little bit later, I don't think they are actually talking no, about Carter. And it's just complete paranoia on his it part. Is. Like, he is, he's imagining this whole thing. 1,000%. It's very well framed because it's after this that she brings it up to Mark. Yeah, so. Yeah, but what Abby and Mark are actually doing are working on a rugby patient by the name of Mr. Tanner. Uh, he's likely fractured his collarbone. And uh, they, cut the, they cut his jersey off, and he is blue. Mm-hmm. But he's like, because he sweated through his new blue jersey. Because he didn't wash it first. It's like, well, yeah, why didn't you wash it first? Oh, it's brand new, mate. <laughs> uh, and uh, this guy, I, I put it further down in the notes because for the life of me, while I was scanning with my eyes, I could not find where his first appearance was in this episode. So I stuck it in later. But uh, Mr. Tanner is played by actor Stuart Finley McLennan, or McLennan, sorry, Stuart Finley McLennan, who appeared in stuff like National Treasure, Lost, and Poltergeist. Nice. And uh, Mark asks Abby why she seems distracted afterwards. And she's like, eh, but do you have a minute? Segway, segway, segway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Carter and Lizzie are looking at Nicholas's films, and the bullet has traveled to his heart through one of his arteries. Oh my God. Gross. I think what they, I think this is the reason that they had him downstairs first is so they could get all of this diagnostic stuff yeah. done more easily because it's all on the same floor i think hmm. so yeah it's it's a good enough hand wavy reason uh but they're going to have to revascularize his leg and clean out the bullet from his heart at the same time yikes um benton comes storming into the er from the ambulance bay he confronts luca in front of carrie and they have a lovely screaming match and carrie's like guys shut up Really? Like, you're both wrong. We'll deal with it later. No, really, she says Luca was wrong. She's like, we'll deal with it later. I don't have the full picture. Mark pulls her aside to talk to her, and they start trying to argue again. And she's like, shut up! Go away! (laughs) Go do your jobs. Yeah, if if it weren't for... um, I mean, pretty much everybody, I would say, is doing a really good job in this episode, but... I think if it weren't for Carter and it, if it weren't for how good of a performance Noah Wiley gives in this episode, I think I would probably say that Benton is the MVP of this episode mm-hmm. just because he balances so well like this this like white hot rage at the beginning of the episode when he's dealing with uh, Luca with kind of the more understated performance he gives later on in the episode he's, he's had a day he's had a real day and then and somebody points this out in the listener responses they do a really fantastic job of of giving us kind of a bait and switch with this episode of the you go into it with the expectation that it's going to be another um you know exodus blizzard type of mass casualty episode where it's going to be all about the scene and all about the these kids and you know it's going to be all about that and 
you know, it really turns into much more of a personal drama uh, about about at this point in the episode is where they start to really like turn the mm-hmm. turn the wheel on that and say Pivot. no. Right, we're pivoting more towards what's going on with Carter and how Benton's going to factor into that. So it's just it's really well done. Um, but uh, Luca is uh, still screaming about what's happening uh, or what has happened with Benton and you know what his opinion is in the whole thing. And uh, Carrie just kind of dismisses him and sends him off to go help Cleo. Uh, in the trauma room uh, we have our next patient a woman uh, Gloria Milton we find out her name is she was mm-hmm. stabbed uh, and she is played by actress Emily Burgle who appeared in stuff like The Rage Taken and Blue Jasmine uh, and uh, when they get her into the trauma room Luca asks when she's due since she's clearly pregnant although that was maybe the worst looking fake belly I have ever seen <laughs> like that belly was just like a different color than her um, I didn't notice uh, but she denies that she's pregnant despite the uh, ultrasound estimate that she is about 32 weeks along. So she is about uh, seven, eight months pregnant almost. Um, they uh, detect on the ultrasound a potential abruption and she'll need a C-section in order to save the baby. And uh, But uh, surprise, surprise, she doesn't want it if she'll be okay as is. All right. Let's uh, hop in to the pain with our first audio clip oh yeah i forgot to mention this is gonna be a bit of a listening party as well this first clip is three minutes long so buckle up yeah buckle up buckaroos uh let's let's hear what carter and dave in the lounge have to talk about hey it's dr torquemada who nothing did you discharge your screamer yet it was pretty tough you couldn't tell that from out here he took on a hurt and won my friend you gotta respect no brain no pain some cultures see pain as a rite of passage Somebody call a staff meeting? No. Hey, you know, the kid made it up to the OR, okay. Cardiac team's in, Ben's working on a leg. Good, thanks. Age 13, the Maasai warriors of Tanzania scar themselves with red-hot spears and yank out their bottom front teeth with no Novocaine, mind you. Hmm. Hey, Dave, why don't you give us a minute? Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. Carter, hold on. What's up? I think you know. Oh, look at that. The guy leaves like a millimeter of coffee in the bottom of the pot. Abby saw you. She saw me what? Abby? I saw you inject the fentanyl into your wrist. What? In the trauma room when you said you were cleaning up. I was cleaning up. John, I have the chart here. You drew up 200 of fentanyl into the syringe. What is this? You gave 150 mics to the patient. Okay, hold on, slow down. This is a mistake. But you stopped after three cc's. Yeah, Halei gave him a bunch of said You were there. What happened to the rest of the fentanyl? I don't know. Must have wasted it down the sink. Somebody's supposed to witness you doing that. Come on. Come on, we do that all the time. We have a protocol for disposal of narcotics. Okay, fine, whatever. That doesn't mean that I injected it. Abby, if you thought you saw something, why why wouldn't you come talk to me? It's appropriate for Abby to come to us. Not when she's wrong. Carter, you still on pain medication? Why? What? For your back. Yeah, why? A little, why? How much is a little? Well, that's between me and my doctor, isn't it? So you're not over-medicating? You think I'm a drug addict? Hmm? Do you honestly? 
Think I'm a drug addict? That I'm what, sneaking around, injecting whatever narcotics I can find? You guys, you know me. This is ridiculous. So you deny this? Yes, I deny it. Abby, I uh, think you're seeing things. Maybe you're on drugs. Yeah, I think I saw you with the needle once. Okay, Carter, this is a misunderstanding. I apologize. This is a misunderstanding. You know why we had to ask you. Can I go back to work now? Thank you. Thank you, Abby. I really appreciate that. He's lying, Mark. I know. Uh, before we get into the meat of that, I want to note from a sound design perspective how good it is that they have that diegetic background noise drop the minute Carter and Dave get into the lounge. Hmm. And just like it captures so well the awkwardness of walking into a room when you know people have been talking about you. Yeah. So before we even get into, like, the performance itself, just that sound design was very well done. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, friends, how do we feel about this? Again, he nails it. Yeah. When he's like, he's like, what? No, what? <laughs> yeah. he. It, it's always, uh, like, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, too. It's always fun to watch good actors uh, act badly. You know, like on purpose, like it's always it's always good to watch a really good actor act badly as part of their character, like that Carter is such a bad liar in this situation. Like, oh, I must have waited just wasted it down the sink. Yeah. He's when, when he's convincing. He's convincing no one with this performance. Right. When he says, Abby, if you if you thought it was something, you, you should have talked to me. Right. And he keep like he even does the thing like the physical yeah. like you said, so much of it is visual. Like he does the thing where he like starts rubbing the back of his neck and like he's like kinda darting his eyes around and like the doing the like overly exaggerated laughing and right. like and again it just so much of it is physical of just his appearance. He looks fucking strong out and it's seeing him in that bright lounge with the big windows and the light coming in. You can see the light hitting him. He's fucking pale, he's sweaty. Like, he just looks bad. Mm-hmm. And I love the end after he walks out, too. Just, he's lying. I know. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> I know. Like, they, they're, it, that's what I love, too, about the dichotomy of the Carrie-Mark relationship or, or leadership. You know, like, they, they have two completely polar opposite styles, but they're both able to reach the same conclusion. You know, like, Carrie is all about, you know, the details and the, the you know, everything. And like, But Mark is so much more on feel and everything. And, like, neither one of them is less competent than the other. They just go right. about it in completely separate ways and get to the same destination. And yeah. I just love that. I also like Abby sort of in the background, too, just being like, oh, I don't know if I'm fucking up. I don't know what I'm... I, I mm-hmm. think I know what I'm talking about, but... Second guessing herself yeah. a little bit, and fucking Dave too at the beginning, like with the his whole like Tanzania warrior shit, like what, the, just <laughs> he would know right stuff like that. The only thing about it that I would have like that I think could have made it better uh, in a in a perfect world would have been if Doug were still on the show and and that have Dave replaced by Doug because you just know there would be some great physical face acting from Clooney in that moment where he, he can smell the awkwardness in the room and that he's been in Carter's shoes in that, where he comes into an ambush from Mark and Carrie. Like, I just feel like he could have really like 
taken this to the a, a yet another higher level, but still an excellent moment all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleo is talking to Gloria, and she says they can call someone for her. She doesn't want, and Gloria does not want to call anyone or have the C-section or have the baby. She's like, I don't want to have the baby if it's not gonna kill me. I just want it to to essentially miscarry. I don't need the surgery. Like she doesn't want it. Um, hi, Coburn. Coburn shows up. And Luca is arguing for the C-section, even if Gloria doesn't want it, because what's bodily autonomy for a pregnant woman anyway, hmm? Uh, and he thinks the stab wound was self-inflicted, and Coburn says, we can't do anything about it unless she's deemed, you know, by psych to be incompetent. You can't force a woman to have surgery for her baby. You can't. Mm. And I know it gets, I know it gets blurry because the baby's like eight months old and all that, so yes, I know, like... It's ethically a very gray mm-hmm. line, but Luca handles it completely the wrong way as a caretaker. If he was going to continue to have this emotional of a response, because of course he values the sanctity of life after losing his wife and child. Of course this is hard for him. And I believe he's Catholic too, yeah, right? Yeah, he's very much Catholic. Yeah, so like, of course this is an incredibly hard case for him. But if you are a medical professional and you have something that's this conflicting where it's going to inhibit your care of the adult patient you are actually taking care of ask another attending to take it work on different cases because luca is so unprofessional and not not good here like yes he does great acting but luke luca is my least favorite of this whole episode yeah this whole storyline just because of the news and because of everything that's going on yeah the the forced essentially forced birthing is not not what mm, no it's it does not hit right right now it's not great and also on a lighter note uh as they're doing the walk and talk with Coburn and Luca we get to see the disgusting county general ceilings in the shot again so cool I was looking at anything to distract from this storyline didn't we also go through a similar what you were talking about of like removing yourself from the case or removing yourself from the situation with a moral objection like didn't we go through something similar with um Delamico I think there was at least a discussion about it where she was at least acknowledging ethically that she was having trouble with it. But I think she worked, I can't remember who she talked to about it to like work get through herself it. through to like, okay, this isn't about my beliefs. It's about the patient or something like that. Right. But, but some, or where she, something sort of similar. Yeah. And I mean, this, this episode kind of centers around moral gray areas, moral ethical gray areas and stuff too, of like, uh, you know, Luca and Benton's situation at the beginning, you know, prioritizing the life of a child, even though he may be less critical than the life of the guy who shot the child, you know, like, yes, obviously from an F or from a a moral standpoint, I think everybody, uh, you know, is on the same page that, that the child is the innocent victim there, but from a purely like medically ethical standpoint, Benton's patient probably should have gotten the, the spot on the chopper and, gone from there like th- this episode sort of deals with that in, you know and then with with carter's stuff it's like yes that's less of a gray area in the sense of like we all know it's wrong for a, a doctor to be impaired while he's treating patients um and obviously he needs help but like it is sort of it's a gray area that the the public at large or the audience uh hasn't had hasn't really been faced with and i think that's what they were going with with this this whole storyline was putting a an average face on 
drug addiction, you know, that like seeing that this could affect a doctor in the same way it could affect a patient or, you know, or just a, you know, trying to, trying to put a less, uh, you know, less predictable face on drug addiction. And it's a doctor that we know and we love. And we're like, how could he do this if, you know, with everything that happened with Chase, which comes up later. Right. Um, so, you know, to see that no, nobody's nerfed, nobody's perfect, and everybody can fall victim to things under the right circumstances. Like, yeah. it's not a moral failing. It's shit happens. Right. So, yeah. And you make... Sorry, go ahead. No, just... Uh, just that everything in this episode is is sort of dancing in that gray area ethically and i think that's part of what makes it so good you know like it's just there is no there is no solid right answer on any single one of these um but uh for now we go back to the or where benton and lizzie are still working on nicholas and I believe Lizzie is the one to say that I'd have trouble prioritizing someone who was shot at a playground mm-hmm. too, or was shooting at a playground too. Yep. Um, uh, but in the middle of their conversation, Nicholas begins bleeding out, I believe from behind his shoulder, like the blood. Yeah, there yes. was, it like nicked one of the arteries up by the shoulder, I think. Or yeah. Something. So blood just starts strip dripping out uh, from the gurney <sighs> onto the floor. Uh, it's gross and I love it. Yeah. And uh, shit's going south fast. It is uh, not looking good for young Nicholas at this point. All right, and let's go to our next audio clip here. Part two of the Carter saga. Uh, Mark is talking to Mr. Tanner when Carrie calls him aside. I don't know what to tell you, but I've got a tournament next week. I can't miss the tournament. You've broken your collarbone, Mr. Tanner. Aside from seriously hurting yourself, you'd be worthless on the field. Well, can't you just put a cast on it or something? We sling it and you rest. Well, it can't be that bad. Yosh, could you get Mr. Tanner a sling? I have to call Central. We have a small. He looks large. Hey, Mark. You better make that extra large, mate. I'll be back to discharge you. So I talked to Legal. Did you use his name? No, I spoke in hypotheticals. Uh, bottom line, we need more evidence. We well, can't treat patients, right? It, it's one accusation. We have to be careful. Can we ask him to drug test? He's taking a prescribed pain medication. He'll test positive, and I'm afraid just asking will push him further away. What do you want to do? I want to get him some help. Let me talk to him again. He might open up if he doesn't see it as a threat. Mark, how could we let this happen? I mean, he showed all the signs. I know, I know. But it's Carter. Your mind just doesn't go there. For as much as this is Carter's episode, Holy shit, do I love Mark and Carrie in this episode. Big Mama Carrie energy. Yes, mm-hmm. and Big Papa Mark energy, too, yeah. which we don't see that often. This this is true attending Mark. Yes. yes. Yeah. This is true leader of the ER Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, how did we let this happen? Yeah, they they do sound like parents in that uh, in that moment. Like, it's it's much more parental than it is a work thing, and it's very sad. He also, Yosh. I fucking love Yosh. This is Yosh gets the thirst thirsty thirst nurse of the episode award because holy shit, Yosh! I had to slide to slide slide that Thank in you. there. It was so good. We need a little bit of laughs, and I I adore Yosh. He's gonna need a large. <laughs> he looks large. <laughs> oh my god, I love Yosh. Um, but then from there we go to Cleo and Luca are watching Gloria talk to Doctor Gerard from Psych. Uh, through through the window 
and Nicholas's dad has shown up, so Luca gives him an update on Nicholas's condition. Cleo takes him upstairs to wait for Nicholas to get out of surgery, and Dr. Durad comes out to talk to Luca, says they can't declare Gloria incompetent because she's fully of sound body and mind. She just doesn't want the kid, and um, Luca's like, but an eight-month baby is in danger. Like, the kid's gonna die, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff, and Durad says, doesn't count. It's still her body. Thank you, sir. Because, as, again, as morally gray as this can be about whether you go through with having a child or not until that child is actually born and is living and breathing on its own outside of your body, you get bodily autonomy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get shit for that, and I'm I'm sorry, guys, but like the health of the woman's body has to come first and i know in this case it's her being potentially selfish and we don't know what her situation is but yeah she gets to choose that that's an interesting um aspect of this whole story too that that um i don't know that it, and i don't know that it would have made it any better if we did but they never really nailed down specifically what no. her motivations are or what her mental status is even if she's not incompetent like it's and it's just weird. I, I think part of it is them trying to illustrate that it shouldn't matter. Yeah, that's probably true. Which which is a really hard because so many times in cases like this, like you can hear me trying to do it right now, is we try to justify one way or another where that line is. Yeah. And because again, morally gray areas, it's a great episode for that. And I love that it's so provocative and it, it made me feel shit because of everything that's going on. But... And I think because of everything that's going on, I have to take that hard stance of until the baby is out of her body and living independently, it's her body, her choice. And I'm sorry, guys. I love you, but and I know I'm going to get some shit for that, but oh my God. And they need a court order to get the baby out. So good luck, Luca. Have fun with that. <sighs> Daniel, you want to just play that sound clip of me <laughs> for that past three minutes and call it good? And again... Luca's terrible about this whole thing, and he argues with every other working professional in the hospital. And Lizzie, take us to our next audio clip before I die. Okay, uh, part three of the Carter saga. Carter and Mark are in the ambulance bay. When did you start smoking? Well, it depends. Does it make me a druggie? Ask the Surgeon General. I'm worried about you, Carter. Like, I'm okay. I got angry. I shouldn't have. Not that I didn't have a right. I'm okay. You didn't talk to anyone, did you? Any psychiatrist? No. Why not? Because I didn't feel like talking. Look, I'm going to be fine, or I hope... No, I, I will be. It's been rough. You can understand that. I got stabbed in the back twice with a six-inch butcher knife. I'm in a lot of pain. This place isn't exactly the easiest work environment. He's dead, which is partly my fault. I haven't slept in months. I, I had to take more pain medication just to function. I didn't steal it. It was prescribed to me. Did you take the prescribed amount? No. More or less. I think you need help, Carter. Look, I understand that you have to make this your business. But please, please. Let me deal with it. When are you off? Midnight. 
Okay, I don't want you to see any more patients. You can work on QA chart reviews. I can see patients. There's nothing wrong Carter, with that. Carter, you have to trust me. Let me figure this out. I think part of what makes this whole storyline resonate with me a little bit more this time around is that now as someone with chronic pain this could very easily be me mm -hmm. and this is the whole reason why i've been despite despite probably being would be able to get them if i wanted them because i've tried everything else i i will not touch Narcotic, oh, touch, not touch, opioids. yeah, opioid, opioids, narcotic, painkillers, whatever you want to call it, with a 10 foot pole. Let's give you some weed. Yeah. Weed all day long. Sure. Great. Yeah. But I can see myself justifying actions that I might do just, in a just, similar way to what Carter's doing. Just here. take a quarter more of a pill here, a half more there. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I could see it, and especially with my personality being somewhat addictive, um, I could see it being a very big problem. Lawrence, get Lawrence open that one. <laughs> Just, yes. Yeah. So I think that's this scene specifically hits different in 2022 for me than it yeah. did in 2000 or any of the other years that yeah. I rewatched it. And I mean, I'm lucky they fixed my back my back my disc issue with a surgery but with that pain i could so see how people become addicted to opioids oh like, yeah if oh, it yeah. if it's from a like i need to function standpoint and it just snowballs from there i get it i i understand mm -hmm. why it's so complicated but and he does such a good job with it and again i love how he's like why would that make me a drug addict <laughs> like yeah. jesus carter immediately we get it. goes on the defensive um, I also insanely want a cigarette. Jesus yeah, Christ. I've been craving those like Noah Bay's business lately. No. That, uh, I will say, though, uh, as great as his performance is in this episode, the one th that took me out of it was like, that was the most actory fucking cigarette pull I've yes. ever seen. Like, yeah. he does the like overhand thing that like yeah. he's and an. Then flips it back. Yeah, he's an actor who's been waiting to smoke a cigarette on screen his entire career. And like, he just, it just was like, dude, I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever smoked a cigarette the way you're doing it right now. Like it was. You can smoke it, a doobie like that. It but. bothers me that he flips between the thumb hold and the two finger hold. Right, like it's it's just it's so clear that like, that, and maybe that's intentional because we've we have we did mention last episode that that was the first time we'd ever seen Carter smoking on screen. So maybe that was an intentional choice that like he's doing this as a coping thing and he's not good at it. Maybe that's yeah. part of it. I don't know, but like to me, it just looks so blatantly obvious of like. Not only is John Carter a bad smoker, Noah Wiley's a bad smoker. Like, I, just... I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, I feel like this is how I looked like I was smoking at every single college party I was ever at, where I thought I looked really fucking cool, oh, yeah. and everybody else was like, "You loser, what the fuck? Learn how to hold your cigarettes, <laughs> guys. Don't smoke. It's terrible. Don't do it. Don't start." I'm lucky that I never got hurt from what I did. Uh, and also, on a side note, as somebody who has actually smoked, he wastes so much of that cigarette. We see maybe two drags, yep. and it's gone. Oh, yeah also what bugs me yep <laughs> i 
Cigarettes like, are dude, expensive, rich boy. Those are expensive in in Illinois, especially Chicago. Like, please. I, I really They're like 15 bucks a pack now. This isn't a conversation I expected to be having tonight. <laughs> Uh, I, I really like the parallels to uh, from this conversation with the conversation they have in the pilot. Uh, you know, when Mark comes out and consoles Carter when he's trying not to puke. And like, it's a very it's it, it has echoes of that similar uh, type of like Car- Mark trying to like give mentor and, and counsel Carter a little bit here. But Carter's in a much different place than he was six years ago. And um. The other little bit I like too is is how you know he's still doing his like bad liar bit with with mm-hmm. Mark like he's still trying to like smile and and give claps on the back to get his get his way out of it mm-hmm. and as soon as Mark walks away the face changes mm-hmm. like he get like it is he goes from like smiling and yeah I'm gonna be okay I got this one coach to like as soon as he walks away the whole facade just crumbles and you see how really fucking he's going through it. And well, yeah. Also, I I do love the line. Let me handle this. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and that's, and that's another. Again, that's the the thing about this episode is like, there's really not a bad performance in this episode. Everybody's pretty much doing their best this episode. Um, there really isn't a weak link in the chain. Like, yeah, we can argue all day long about Luca's like character motivations and what he's doing, but it yeah, but it is still he, a good performance. He performs it great. We'll get it. I know. Up I, know, I, yeah, know it's I know. Play the Lord. <laughs> it's fine. I love him. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> uh, we go from there. Cleo sees uh, Lizzie and Benton chatting and celebrating their save and uh, gets real territorial about it. Like, you can feel the temperature drop in that room the second she walks in. Like, she is. Hashtag bench. Whew, she is upset. Uh,. But again, it's that's the scene that I would show to like show the the difference in chemistry between uh, Lizzie Corday and Benton and Benton and Cleo. Like right there, there's your exhibit A right there. Uh, but we uh, go back down to the ER where we see Carter working on his chart reviews, and Abby comes over and apologizes uh, for turning him in. Uh, and he pretty much blows her off. Like, he's a real dick to her here. And, and, like, every time he's a dick to her in this episode, I just keep thinking to myself, of like, they're going to be a couple in, like, a year. And, like, I hate it so much. Like, or no, I guess that's the end of season eight. Not Yeah, yeah give them two years and they'll, um, they'll be fucking in quarantine. Yeah. It's fine. So I'm just like, this is uncomfortable. Like, I just, it, you know, spoilers for when we get there. I'm just not the biggest uh, uh, Carter Abbey pairing fan and i just every time i see her being a dick to her here i'm just like he doesn't really get that much better when they're a couple like it's like his attitude doesn't really change that much it's just that they're having sex at that point like he's it's not great i have a question for the class yes i'm sure lauren if we asked this on the er on our on our discord right now someone would have the answer please tell me that the ship name for our Carter and Abby as Cabby. It's nope, not Carby. Carby. Damn, it's Carby. Yeah, Carby. Damn, that's, that's which sounds that's like funny. a really dumb fish. Like it's just, <laughs> it's like a fish who swims backwards or something. Like I just, I did, I'm not a fan. I, we have to come up with a better ship. We have to improve the ship name for. Uh, I think Cabby. Yeah, I don't. I like uh, Cab. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep workshop. We have two years. We'll have we have time to workshop it. Uh, but for now, Abby goes over uh, to give Mr. Tanner his pain med prescription, uh, but finds him unconscious, uh, and he's barely got a pulse, seems to be crashing. 
and uh, we get to see Carter do his best Alan Alda impression and uh, jump up off the chair and come run and save the day, uh, even though he's been told not to see patients anymore. Uh, he did you catch this, Lauren? Was this the this note? Lizzie, here? I caught it and I asked Lizzie, and she caught it too. So what happens here is right when he goes to do the um the puncture mm-hmm. with the in the pneumothorax, yeah. I believe he um he's handed a pair of gloves and he takes them and he like chucks them to the side, does the puncture, and then we see him putting uh, gloves on. So I think it might have been either a choreography mistake where he was just like, fuck it, we'll do it live, and like had to keep moving, mm-hmm. or it was them showing how careless Carter's being mm. and that he's not totally like following procedure and in his right mind. So because Carter's a little sloppy lately, it could go either way, but I was going to be really proud if we caught an actual like uh, choreography blooper. With how like much subtle little things there have been throughout this episode, I and and we'll get into more later on in the episode. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a little subtle thing of just like we're just gonna show rather than tell that he's being careless. Yeah. Cause cause he's already got the gear and like he's already ready to stab the dude, and then he's like handed gloves and he's like Nyeh, yeah and keeps going. So hmm. totally. Also, I want to note when um when we hear Abby give the pain med prescription i thought they were doing a bait and switch like they did with that woman with the um manchausen oh yeah by proxy i thought she was giving like maybe the fake pills or something so they could see carter with them and then have it be Mm. like hey dude you took this guy's pills yeah because like again i don't remember this show apparently so i was like oh are they gonna do that and then it turned out to be this other thing yeah but that that could have been could have been a way to go with it uh, but Mark Thank Mark you. sees everything that's happening and comes by to uh, finish up the chest tube. He kind of has this little like stare down with Carter of like Carter, I, let me finish it. And Carter's like, I'm already almost done. Let me do it. And then he just kind of looks at him, and Carter's like, Oh fuck, you're right. Thank you, Carter. Yeah, just steps away. Uh, then we find out Luca can't get a court order yet, and Carrie makes him promise that he won't do anything because he's practically at this point, like basically just being like, "I'm gonna go in there and cut that bitch myself." Like he is, like he's ready to uh, go in there and perform the C-section himself. Like he is that worked up about this. Like, and I feel almost feel like at that point it should, like I almost feel like Carrie should step in at that point and just be like you need to see other patients. Like I'm going to take over from this on you. Like, like I feel like it should be within her purview as the attending to be like, yep, you're going to have to sit this one out chief. Yeah. As his supervisor, this should have definitely been a red flag to where she was like, okay, nope. I like, I know the excuse can be, she's distracted with Carter, but in general at this point, he should have been taken off the case. Yeah. All right. And let's go to Carter's adventures. Part four, uh, Benton, Chen, Mark, and Carrie all discussing the upcoming intervention. We need to do this tonight. I don't believe it. Well, it makes sense. He's been so unpredictable, I thought he might be bipolar. Carter, come on, no way. He as much as admitted it to me. Peter, he's using. I don't know for how long, but the behavior's been there for a while. But is this the right way to do it? Uh, he might feel ganged up on. It's either this or we have to kick it to some committee. You know, I'd rather approach him as a small group that he knows and trusts and give him a chance to clear it up. And what about Romano? No. We don't want to bring him in. No, uh, Carter can be stubborn. He might just walk out. We have to be prepared for that. All we can do is be compassionate but clear. He has two options. That's it. Are you with us, Peter? Carrie? 
You needed me? Yeah, Dan. So what's the big emergency? Why don't you have a seat? I completely forgot they looped Dan's in on this. Is this the first time we've seen him uh, in a scene or in an episode since uh, John Elward passed away? I think this might be the first. I think, I think, yeah. Because yeah, we haven't seen him in quite a while, but I yeah. think this is the first time we've seen him in an episode since then. I hate that. I was like, who's that character? Wait, no. That's... <laughs> it, it took me a minute. Yeah. I, I had already blocked that out that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh, I, I, I really like that, you know, and this is getting into the intervention itself, but like, I really, um, I like that. I like the, the collection of people that are in the room, you know, like I, I feel like that, yes. I feel like there's an intentional choice with just about every character in that room. I love that Chen is involved, even though she's not really that involved in this episode itself. Like she doesn't really do very much in this episode outside of being in the intervention, but I love that they went to the trouble of making sure she was part of it because she has that personal connection with him. And Anspa obviously makes sense for him to be there. Then of course, Peter being there and I feel like there's some symbolism and, and again I'm probably doing too much fucking English major shit into this of just like reading too much into it but I do feel like there's some kind of intentionality in having Peter be the only one who's in plain clothes yeah. everyone else in that room is in uniform and up until five minutes ago Peter was too and for some reason they chose to have him in plain clothes. And I just feel like there's something to that where he's, he's going to be speaking to Carter more on a man to man level than he is on a doctor to doctor level. Symbolism of professional versus personal responsibility. There you go. Yeah. I really, I just feel like there has to be something to that. I can't, I just don't think they would have done that just willy nilly, but um, yeah. Oh fuck. We gave me this one. Uh, Luca tries to scare Gloria into doing the C-section. He's just an absolute asshole right to her face. It's like, nope, I'm going to cut you open right here. He's just going to do it down in the ER. He asked for the C-section tray right there because apparently we just do C-sections in the ER on the reg now. Uh, Injects her with ketamine. Goes to inject her. Oh, yeah, he does inject her with yeah. ketamine. Um, Cleo fights him on it. The nurses that are in the room are like, no, I'm not going to fucking do it. And Cleo's like, you can't fucking do this. Like, no. <laughs> Bad Luca. And no. as they have a stare down, poor Gloria's in the background, doped up on <laughs> ketamine and just goes. Tripping balls in the background. <laughs> like, props I to just... that actress for being able to blink her eyes that fast. Yeah. So, fuck Luca. Oh, my God. What a goddamn asshole. Fuck. <sighs> not like not go, his finest hour. To go into a room and yell into a patient's face that you were going to force her to have a C-section, which is an incredibly like traumatizing surgery in and of itself, especially if you weren't prepared to consent to one. And then to just be like, no, I'm going to do it. Forcibly inject you with ketamine and just say, I'm going to go for it. Like, no. This is unacceptable, Luca. No. I'm I'm in the Jake Terrell Luca club right now. <laughs> I'm not having it. Ay, not great, fam. All right. So here we go. It's intervention time. I split it into two parts. And I will say, just prefacing this with my thought, for my money, this is like some of like the best five-ish minutes that this show has ever produced. Personally. So let's dive into the first part. Carter, got a minute? No, I'm done with these. If you guys don't want me to see patients today, I'm gonna go home. Not yet. I need to talk to you. Is this my suspension? Not here, come on. 
God. Give me a break. Yeah. Carter, just listen. Just no, I told you, I'm on painkillers for my back, but I'm functioning. Dr. Carter, you would be wise to be quiet and listen. My van is parked outside. We have a ticket to Atlanta. There's a drug rehab. There's a drug rehab center there that specializes in treating doctors with addiction. Well, that's great, but I'm on prescribed painkillers, and that doesn't make me an addict, and I think you all know it. I'm not finished. It's apparent to all of us that you have a drug problem. Therefore, we cannot allow you to continue working here or anywhere else as a physician. So you have two choices. Get in the van, go to the airport, check yourself in. And when you come back, we will support you in any way that we can. Or I'm fired? Yeah. Everyone in this room cares about you. No one is judging you. Yes, you are. You've already judged me. You have no idea what I've been through these last few months, but I've been here. I've showed up. I haven't made excuses. I haven't complained. That's not the point. No, that is the point. Can anybody tell me that, uh, uh, that I have endangered patients? I mean, can anybody here say that my performance has changed? Hmm? That I'm some kind of liability? John, you put a patient into anaphylactic shock by giving her Bactrim when she told you that she was allergic to it. And you almost killed somebody by leaving a guide wire in their chest. Is this about mistakes? Hmm? Who here hasn't made a mistake? Hell, I saved your ass this afternoon. John, you demonstrated compulsive drug-seeking behavior. When? Just tell me when. You know, I think mainlining fentanyl in the trauma room qualifies. Well, I told you I didn't do that. You want to call me a liar, fine. Call me a liar, but I didn't do that. Okay, show us your wrists. What? Show us your wrists. Are we looking for track marks? Yeah. Well, there. See? Here. Want me to roll up my sleeves? Pick up your watch. Uh, you know, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. This is your only chance, Carter. Great. I quit. Well. Is that it? No. Whew. You ever seen somebody suck the air out of a room with one word the way Benton does when he says no? Like that just like that that's right up there as like one one A for me with the running down the stairs and all in the family of like favorite mm -hmm. Carter Benton moments. And I think quite possibly that this three and a half minute clip here we might have more to unpack from the three and a half minutes than we have had for any single clip in the entire history of the show up to this point like there's mm -hmm. just a whole lot to dig into there well i'm gonna say just right off the bat goddamn noah wiley yes yeah hot just the sheer like when uh chen calls him out on a mistake he made just like the, almost like evil straight hate that uh -huh. pours into like that and you almost killed someone by towering over her with it yeah yeah like the the only spectrum time, only time i've ever been scared by john carter md the spectrum of emotions that he goes through in that scene of like 
he's still trying to do his like I'm gonna joke my way through this and then gets defensive and then gets angry and like he just goes through uh, so many different emotions in those three minutes it's I mm. I also love Mark I'm not finished mm-hmm. yeah big 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 ER dick energy I don't know <laughs> <if you> wanna... <laughs> Uh, it's just okay so and this is what I love about the show is that you know you find new things as you go along and this was something that I noticed for the first time last night as I was watching this episode and I've seen this scene a dozen times probably and this was the first time it had ever I ever connected the dots on this and again going back to what we were talking about in the last scene when they're in the lounge like there's so much in this episode that feels intentional that you feel like there can't be any coincidences and last night watching this episode was the first time in all my times of seeing it that I noticed that they are holding this intervention in the very room where Carter was stabbed and, you know, Lucy was fatally wounded. They they're at the beginning of the scene when they first confront him, he's quite literally standing in the exact same place that Sabriki was standing or was hiding when he came in the room and stabbed him from behind. Yeah. And it's just such a, I mean, in, in context of the show, like in, in canon of the show, it's such a deeply fucked up choice to hold his intervention in that room. I mean, I get it. It's an ER. There's not that many places where you can get privacy and you can fit six people in a room. But like, damn, like you're going to confront him in the exact same place where this whole mess started just seems like a really um, bold choice. And also the way that they're sitting, you can almost feel you can almost feel what carter's feeling like he's being backed into that corner yeah like because they're sitting around him like pretty much with nowhere to go besides the door right and they all sort of yeah they all sort of surround him a little bit and then and then as he starts to lash out he quite literally lashes out like he moves out of that corner and starts confronting weaver face to face and chen face to face and like he's you know bouncing around and the, the one sort of thing again going back to earlier where it's like i feel like they could have taken this from like a 10 to an 11 and i I think it would have been an even better moment they do sort of this like sort of a half reveal where um anspaugh kind of comes into frame where he wasn't before and that kind of like throws carter off and it i almost feel like they would have been better suited by flipping that choice and having it be benton instead of Anspaugh like because they show Benton the second uh, Carter walks in the room it's like boom he walks in the door and there's Benton and it sort you can see it kind of shakes him in the moment but like he doesn't really like he doesn't do anything about it right away and then they do that little like half reveal thing where it's like oh oh and surprise Anspaugh too I almost would have done it the opposite way I would have had him see Anspaugh when he comes in so he goes oh shit this is a big deal like this is a problem and then when he starts getting defensive and then when he starts to freak out then we reveal that benton is also in the room and is also like in on this as well and like i just feel like that could have taken it It, it's already great on its own it doesn't need any like zhuzhing up but like i just felt like that was one choice that you could have maybe taken it even better um but man i just keep going back to that moment at the end where you know everybody's like antspa's thinking like well is that it and benton's one word puts this like punctuation mark on the end of the scene where it's just like nope and then you see him follow it out i remember that's another one of those moments i can vividly remember watching it for the first time with jen and we both sort of were like "Ooh, he's pissed <laughs> like kind of like like you don't know if he's going out there to like talk 
to him or if he's going to just go out there and just beat the shit out of him. Like, it just has this very, like, intense energy behind it. It's just so good. Just mm, all of it. Mm. All right. Well, let's go to part two of that uh, where Benton confronts Carter outside. What are you doing? I don't need this. I've never needed this. I want to be a doctor. I want to help people, but I don't need their damn job. Carter, you don't want to do this. I'm not doing it. They are. Carter, wait. No. Carter, what are you going to do? Piss it all away? Everything you've worked for eight years of your life. The ones that are handing out the ultimatums. No ultimatums, Carter. You're getting in that van. Like hell I am. You're not going to do this. They tell you that I'm some kind of junkie, and you believe them, and you come down and ambush me. Carter, you're out of control, man. If you can't see that, then I don't care what you get in that van. No. Get in the van. Don't touch me. Get in the van. Don't touch me. What is it in, man, huh? This week, fentanyl. Next week, you end up dead, or worse, you end up like your cousin, some babbling gork in a nursing home. <laughs> Carter, you want to fight, that's cool, man. But either way, you're getting your ass in it, man. left and he'll never see it coming <laughs> <laughs> oh how did i forget about that already oh my god oh man whoever did the foley work on that punch deserves an award like the the foley work on that punch is just next level because that sounds like he punched a hole into a benton's head that sounds like a sound effect Ah, no, see, that I don't might, think that might be a sound. Oh, effect. it is a sound effect. It's for sure a sound effect, yeah. but it's fully it's 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 better than just your average like sound life. Like somebody punched a dead pig in order to get that sound like some, <laughs> there was a, no. there had to have been like some skin made contact with skin smacking a pork. butt. Yeah, like it, it was I loved it. I thought I mean, I love everything about that scene. That scene is incredible. And, and like Lizzie said, when... it's. it's Put together, it's probably some of the best five minutes you've had in the show ever up to this point. And maybe ever full stop. Yeah, ever full stop for me, personally. There's something about when he goes, at, when Benton brings him in for the hug, and the fact that he's holding the nape of his neck, which is, you know, just like an incredibly vulnerable spot on a human, mm-hmm. just like our throat, our necks generally are. And then when he gives him the little, the little smooch. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh, I love them so much. And the 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 facial acting too, like the the, you know, it it, it it builds and it builds and it builds, and he's like, what are you gonna do? You know, you gonna end up like your cousin, and then he boom hits him, and then it's instantaneous. As soon as he hits him, you can see he immediately regrets it, and you can see mm-hmm. that he is just like, what what did I just do, and what have I been doing? Like you can see that the whole facade just comes crumbling down and he's like shit like everything's washing over him yeah it's just and the excellent. fact that benton's the only one that compares him to chase right oh, and, and again that just hit that hits extra that's oh my god that hits perfectly as well as snow wiley hit benton yeah going i mean going back to what we've talked about in the past too of the like 
trusting the audience of like bringing up a storyline that we haven't really talked about much at all. I can't, certainly can't remember if, and if they did mention it, it was very offhand. They haven't talked about his cousin since that all happened back in season yeah, four. Not since bowl. Yeah. Not <laughs> hashtag penis bowl. Uh, but yes, yeah, not since then have we discussed chase. Obviously we're going to, it's going to come up again later, but like, that's I think really it, it, for for the era and for like network television and all that stuff. I mean it, they've passed the point of syndication now and stuff, so like stuff's repeating uh, elsewhere. But I don't know. It just I think it shows a lot of trust in the audience to remember that and remember what a, a stark impact that would have on Carter in a situation like this. Of like fuck, I w- I did go through all of that with my cousin and and how he treated his cousin and how like I don't know. But I think even if you don't exactly remember what happened with Chase, just the the wordage that Benton used to end up like a babbling gork in a nursing uh, home, that elicits such a, a vivid image in your head. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't specifically tie it to Chase, you can be like, oh, yeah, that. Okay. Whew, yeah, it's powerful stuff. And I mean, and, and another moment too that like I remembered it I remember the the scene that actually does close the episode. Like I remember that visual of the two of them on the plane together. I don't remember any of this bullshit that comes in between these two moments though. Like, like all the stuff we're about to talk about, I didn't like, I was like, shouldn't the episode just end here? Like this feels like a good enough place to end it. I don't see why we need to go address all this other upsetting shit that we've been dealing with. And so, but the, the ending scene of them on the plane together, that is also, a good moment too. Like, so I, I could see why you'd want to do both and, and they need to make up the time obviously, but just, uh, so good. Uh, but we go back to back inside to the unpleasantness. <laughs> the, the, you have to work really hard when the most, like when the audience surrogate character has to go through an intervention for drug addiction and go to rehab, you have to work really hard for another storyline in that episode to be the big bummer. Like, <laughs> Holy fuck. Yep. <laughs> but uh, we do go back inside where Gloria is, for better or worse, uh, in labor, and uh, Luca and Cleo are still in on it, and uh, the baby is stillborn, and Gloria refuses to see the body, and Luca pronounces the time of death. And what did we all learn here? Like, I don't know that there was really any big lesson learned from this storyline. It was just kind of upsetting from beginning to end and didn't i don't know that anybody really like because it doesn't seem like luca takes anything from this i would argue that this is the best look into luca as a character we've seen yet like oh i think think yeah like all of his stuff going forward this is like our first like big major introduction sure yeah i think i think it is definitely um a great insight into where he's at in his growth arc currently I just don't know that it actually serves his growth arc in any way. It's more its more of a window than it is like a theater. Like, we're not learning anything. We're not getting better. We're just looking at him and going, wow, he's fucked up. Like, it's, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, I would have liked to have him maybe learn something. And maybe, I don't know, you could have served Cleo's character in that way. You could have had Cleo help him learn something and move on from it. And it just... I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. And and like Lauren said, probably current events have a lot to do with that, of why this storyline didn't do it much for me. Maybe it would hit differently under different circumstances, but it was just not really pleasant to watch, and it kind of detracted from the rest of the episode, I think. Um, 
But we go back to the admit desk where Carrie is uh, on the computer when Lizzie and Mark are standing there getting ready to clock out for the evening, uh, waiting for a call saying that Carter actually got on the plane. Uh, when uh, Romano checks in to wave hi for his one appearance this episode uh, to drag Lizzie back upstairs for a surgery. And of course, Romano is not included in uh, the intervention stuff and is completely unawares at this point. He kind of gives like a weird look to the three of them as he uh, walks away. Like he clearly knows something is up, but doesn't know exactly what it is. Uh, And this is one of my favorite bloopers in the entire show (laughs) of the three of them sitting there in front of these computers because you get a little like because Lizzie's going to have to go do this surgery so she was going to drive Mark home now he has to find his own way home so they do a little kiss and part ways when the blooper version uh, Alex Kingston just uh, she kisses Mark goodnight and then she just reaches over and grabs Carrie and pulls her in and just full on like plants one on her and then anthony edwards does this fucking like mug and thumbs up to the camera (laughs) it's my favorite blooper in the entire show like i just love it so much the stupid grin on anthony edwards face as he's given the thumbs up and and laura innes to her credit just goes with it like is completely commits to the bit she she has a complete agent of chaos and i adore her it's pretty great uh, we get our, our brief honorary shot of Frank uh, in this scene. Uh, this is the only time you see Frank this episode. Uh, Mark uh, asks Carrie if she wants to grab food, and Frank uh, gets a call from legal saying that they got their court order for Gloria just a bit too late. Which uh, puts us briefly up to Luca waiting at the L station, and the Harold Washington Library is right near there, in case anyone cares about Chicago geography after this episode. <laughs> oh, dear. It's, oh, I'm so out of touch. Uh, but then one of them, and then we get one of the most lasting images in my mind of the entire show, Carter on the plane with Benton, and just the somber music. The, f- the fact that Benton bought a ticket to make sure his ass got there. Right. Right. Ugh. Bleak. Also, here's my other question. I'm sorry, yeah. but... So Mark says, my van is out in the lot. <laughs> Go take yourself to Atlanta. Did he just out ex- front, I think. But still, said. did he expect Carter to just drive himself? No, I think the original intention was that one of either Benton or Green or one of them was going to drive him to the airport and drop him off. I like that too, because my, my, I had the same thought because Benton got on the plane too. So I'm like, who's gonna get Mark's van from the airport? <laughs> show me that side story. Like, show me that detour between. They could take the L to the thing, and then there's shuttle buses. Depending, it can be a yeah. whole. I want another like Union Station where we see Mark running through Chicago, but instead he's trying to get to O'Hare to get his car back. <laughs> that that episode has forever like ruined Union for me because now every time I fucking go back to Michigan, I walk down those tracks and my brain just goes, Suzanne. 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 Like, I can't not do it. Lizzie and I'll be walking and I'll just look at her and go, Suzanne. <laughs> I can't. It just, it lives, and it lives in my brain. Not now. to get too far off topic, but my favorite, uh, my, my thing I'm looking most forward to is that when Susan comes back, she comes back the same way she left. Like they show her on yes. the train coming back. So we'll get to do it all over again. <laughs> I love Union Station. All right. But for me, Top 10 episodes of the entire series, 10 out of 10, no notes. And I think what, like, I can understand that you two are going to take issue with Lucas' storyline. I think 
in a vacuum, yes. He's an awful person in this episode. He's everything. Everything you guys have been saying. Lauren says he loves. she loves him. But right, anyway. we can play the clip again. <laughs> so, but yeah, in a vacuum. But I think this is one of the episodes that, like Age of Ultron, the MCU, it gets better when you look at <laughs> when, you, when you look at the series as a whole, and you look at Luca's arc. Luca's arc. Luca's arc. Luca's arc. Luca's arc. For some reason, I want to say Luca's arcs. <laughs> I don't know. Luca's arc as a whole throughout the entire show. I think you can see where a lot of it begins in earnest here. And a lot of decisions that he makes and a lot of like when we get to the priest, mm-hmm. I always think of going think back to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think his whole thing with yeah, with James Cromwell and being and the or the excuse me, the the bishop, my yeah, bad. The bishop. But I think that whole storyline makes this episode better personally sure yeah and i think i think maybe if they had carried this for not that i want them to do more with it but i i if i if they had carried it forward a little bit more maybe made a more direct connection between the two instances maybe i'd feel differently about it again like you said if you're looking at the whole thing as a whole and looking at it from a top down yeah sure like that what happens in the future enhances this um, but just looking at it under a microscope as a one episode thing again, like I, I sort of go back to like, I just wanted him to learn something like he doesn't, ha- he doesn't yeah. have to be fully redeemed. He doesn't have to be like, I was completely wrong. He just needs to have that yeah. one moment of doubt by the end of like, maybe I was not a hundred percent right here or, okay, fine. I know, I know I said no notes, one note, the thing you could have maybe done too, is you could have been like, you could have been like up in the chapel praying about it or something like that mm. like bring in the fact that it's more from a, a thing of faith like the, that his right. decision here is more informed by his faith right. and not and by I, a character judgment on the one right and yeah. i would have i would yeah yeah i think that's good i think i think centering it more in his faith is a good idea and again i think you could have walked and chewed gum at the same time i think you could have made his thing better and given Cleo more depth at the same time, because if she's going to be mm-hmm. in the fucking room, she might as well do something like there could have been a really great scene where she that he goes up to the chapel and fucking prays about it. And she comes in and explains to him the other perspective, like and tries to reach mm-hmm. some you know common ground with him on it. And like there just could have been more there that would have enhanced. Everybody could have walked away with this with something positive. And instead, it just is like another angry man doctor for an hour on a fucking white knight crusade like it's just it's kind of like i don't know like it's it could have been better so for me in that sense in in my it, like the the everything outside of the luca thing is 100 percent 10 out of 10 no notes and the other stuff is like nine out of 10 you know like it's like I, i'm still i still enjoy it but it could have been better yeah. yep it's gonna get a 9.5 for me only because like Lucas stuff is beautifully acted and all of that, but I just I have to knock it a peg because the storyline was so hard for me. Yeah. But um, overall, fantastic episode. Like you said, definitely top ten. There's a reason you watch it all the fucking time in our house. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's that's the biggest compliment I can play I can pay an episode, and I know I've said this before, but when I'll just independently of of any sort of rewatch or anything i'll just go back and watch this episode because i love it so much like i think that's that's the biggest compliment that you as a viewer 
can give an episode and that then this is one of those episodes for me yeah. and definitely i think best episode noah wiley best performance noah wiley has ever given in an, an episode to mm-hmm. date and quite possibly his best ever i'll reserve judgment on that for maybe some of the um africa episodes i know he really mm-hmm. he really yes. goes for it in those um but like this might quite 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 possibly might be his best performance on the show any final thoughts before we get to the listener responses? Can't believe we're done with season six. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, end of season six, folks. Thank you for sticking around with us this long. Yeah, good lord. What do the listeners have to say about this finale, Lauren? All right, KDH says, possibly one of my top favorite episodes in the series. If we didn't see the love and bond between Carter and Benton during the surgery, this is the definitive piece. Love this episode. Carter is in total denial, and it really shows the downward spiral that leads people to addiction. Katie B says, The scenes between Carter and Benton just make me sob like a baby. I love how much their relationship grew. I really like how they portrayed Carter's addiction as it wasn't talked about much back then. It truly sheds some light on addiction and how it can happen to anyone. Audrey T says, Watching this episode shortly after the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, is sending chills up my spine. Once again, Kovach and Benton butting heads. Ugh, I don't remember that terrible fall, but I do remember Carter inserting the syringe. And so it begins. Sweet baby Carter. Nice to see you again, Dr. Anspaugh. Rip R.I.P. John Aylward. To end with a funny... To end with a funny... The, the scene where Carter punches Benton makes me think of the interview with Noah. Lead with the left. He'll never see it coming. <laughs> I just love that we have that to cut through the tension of that moment. Like A little bit, yeah. Uh, Jen T... Sigh. This episode could have been perfect. I'm disgusted watching this one, particularly since I have goddamn kids in 8th, 5th, and 2nd grade. I'm beyond sick of watching my babies have to do active shooter drills. Sick of it. As much as I agree with Luca, Peter was right. Medically, you take the most critical patient first. I completely forgot about the baby story with and Gloria. Jesus, what a damn mess for Luca. And I will get to that. Jesus. Again, a mess. Okay, here is the meat. Jen, I know you've been waiting on this one, and I know we already talked about this a little bit, but okay, here is the meat. I love the intervention for Carter. The group that was there is perfect, particularly Jingmei. I despise how they handled the follow-up. His addiction story was absolute bullshit for anyone who has actually gone through it. I have been there on the sidelines, watching it go down, with someone I adore beyond imagining. And well, I am Peter Benton. I love that the show really did try with this storyline. But fuck it. They screwed it up so badly after this. I've been the one who has to deal with an MA. I've been the friend who wants to help so badly it hurts beyond telling. Do I love the scene between Carter and Benton? Of course I do, because it's absolutely true to life. Do I love the aftermath when the show tried to make everyone an asshole? Carrie, Mark, Luca, Cleo, for not trusting poor baby Carter the minute he comes back to work? Nope. I fucking hate everything about it. The entire storyline between his inter- this intervention and literally the end of the series just chaps my cookies. I hate it. It's wrong on every level, and it makes me want to scream. I'm gonna. I need to incorporate "chaps my cookies" into my <laughs> daily lexicon. Do Do we need an audio clip of me just reading "chaps my cookies" for? For just it's Lauren's new it's Lauren's new catchphrase. You know what really chaps, chaps my, my cookies? <laughs> I don't even know where Jen got that from because that's not a Michigan thing I've ever heard. So I I can't take credit for that. But okay, back to my baby Luca. 
He was obviously bothered by what happened with Gloria. The shot of him hanging right at the edge of the L tracks is such an interesting juxtaposition between that shot and his first of the series where he's so happy. Just saying. And then, of course, how happy he is with Abby before the mugger in just a few episodes. <sighs> and geez, Carter is already a dink again. Sorry. Oh, boy. At KK... At KK in San Diego says it took six seasons of Benton and Carter to end up here. Peter chasing him out of the ER, imploring him to get in the van, asking him if he wants to be a gork like his cousin. The punch, the look of anguish on Carter's face as he finally realizes he's an addict, the breakdown, and then this. Peter hugging Carter and giving him a brotherly kiss on the top of his head. The mentor who grew into a friend who became the only one who could save Carter. It is almost too painful to watch, and yet it is beautiful. At Franner78 says, Cast your minds back to when Luca rescues the hit-and-run kiddo. At that point, Benton is all, Way to go, you got balls. So I think Luca may think that Benton would be on his side on this one, too. Afraid not, Croatian Clooney. This is the white knight shit we need you not to be pulling. Do no harm in all that malarkey. Carter's intervention. I've been in a few, and I've been the receiving staff member at the clinic they've delivered to, too. It's done about as well and realistically as I reckon it could have been. Carter's denial is on point. At Opus and the Machine. Okay, I was looking for a way into this episode, and after talking to my new friend Rach, I think she shook something loose. This episode tries to trick you into thinking it's going to be a big event with Peter and Luca on the scene of the shooting. I see now that we are getting the mindset of these two men before a day of challenges lie ahead. I want to keep this focused, so a quick word about Luca, and then more on Peter. With a recent rounding out of this current version of his backstory, we can understand where Luca is coming from a little better. I'm sure you've already been debating his behaviors and his actions, so I'll just say that maybe a little humility and holding the moral high ground wouldn't be a bad thing. It was great to revisit his first season with STT. Thank you. Peter Benton, what a force Eric LaSalle is. Usually, I watch this for Carter, but look at Peter during that intervention. We've had five years of this man showing little to zero emotion when it comes to his student, John Carter. While Luca is raining hellfire all episode, Peter burns intensely and slowly. Was it at this moment that he realizes Carter means something to him? In that intervention scene, out to the van, he's made up his mind. He'll be on that plane if necessary, and we never heard him talk about it. Now, if he could just be that forceful towards Carter's facial hair next episode. <laughs> At the full-time dad says, and here we are. The conclusion of what is arguably the greatest season of the show's 15-season run, and it ends with arguably its best finale. And it absolutely had to be incredible because it precedes one of the most endeared episodes in the canon. Carter's addiction reveal, intervention, and final confrontation with Peter are among some of the more painful yet beautifully executed moments the show has ever had. But this episode is so much more than that. For starters, the chilling opening sequence, starting with the schoolyard swing gently swaying, then violently flapping in the wind of a touching down helicopter, it's such a chilling way to open an episode, and you go straight into some pulse-pounding action involving a gunman holed up in the school. For my money's worth, it's one of the best opening sequences ever. Luca and Benton give us some, some more conflict that mirrors very closely the same conflict that Benton and Doug once had. I only wish they explored this more moving forward. The other story that I found both chilling and tremendously well-acted involved the pregnant college student and Luca, 
who desperately wanted to save the child. The scene where Luca asks if she wants to see the baby, to which she coldly replies, no, is equal parts gut-wrenching and frightening, to be honest. But back to Carter, the episode's clear focus, and Benton. The penultimate scene, in which Carter punched Benton, echoes the scene near the l tracks in When the Bow Breaks, where Benton expresses for the first time how he felt about Carter leaving the surgical service. Again here, you see the genuine brotherly love that Benton has for Carter as he sternly warns him about the path he's headed, then gently embraces a tearfully distraught Carter in one of the show's most emotional scenes. And then finally, the big reveal. As Carrie and Mark wonder how they'll know if Carter got on the plane, we see how. Benton. It's a beautiful and heartbreaking conclusion to a season that gives you both hope and despair as we depart for our summer break. Is this, not to not to belabor our points any further, because I'm sure we're all very tired, but is this the season that uh, is things are the most starkly different at the end of than they were at the beginning? Like, uh, yes. Out of the six seasons, like, is there a, can we say that there's a season yeah. where we've gone through more shit in the last 12 months, uh, than, than they have in this, uh, this season? I mean, holy shit. You think about where we were and leave it to Weaver and where we are now. Like, I mean, we said that many times over the course of the season that it feels like we're in a different timeline. Like it feels like we're watching a different show. Like, this, this season was Alan Alda. Right. It, this, yeah. this season, Jeannie left this season. Like, Jeannie was a part of the Jeannie was a part of the cast in episode one of this season. And Jeannie feels like she was a decade ago. So like, I mean, I think for my money, I think this is, this is definitely the season where things are the most starkly different at the end compared to where they were at the beginning. And it's been a hell of a ride. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our season six finale. Thank you all very much for listening as always. Shows brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. But for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 45 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and Who's Fix Are Those, where Lauren reads some ER fan fiction for us. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the, the official Sign the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Work and Folks Find You at. They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter, screaming about wrestling, at lowbob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter, I am at randomgamer, that's j-a-m-3-r. Um, thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed Season 6, and we'll see you next week for the Season Recap. Thank you. Thank you.